everyone. Welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason, and here we delve into those reasons. This week, I have an awesome conversation with the co-writer directors of the new queer horror comedy that just dropped on VOD called Summoning Sylvia, Alex Wise, and Wesley Taylor. Alex and Wesley are theater vets, so I was super excited to chat with them. And Summoning Sylvia was an incredibly funny and heartwarming and spooky horror comedy about a gay bachelor party that turns spooky when sinister spirits are suddenly summoned. We talked about how they binge-watched horror movies during lockdown and which movies inspired Summoning Sylvia when they were writing it during the early part of the pandemic. They also told me how they cast the movie, why they cut their cameos, and what it was like filming in the dead of summer in a house that was actually haunted. One last thing before we get into this episode, if you love the show and haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, I'd be so grateful if you could take a second to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you to everyone who's already left us a review. It's so appreciated as it really helps people to find us. I think I've rambled enough, so let's get into my chat with Alex Wise and Wesley Taylor. Hey, Alex. Hey, Wesley. How are you guys? Hi, we're great. Awesome. Um, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to chat with the both of you about your new film, Summoning Sylvia. But first, why don't you each tell everyone who's listening a little bit about yourselves? Sure. Um, well, okay. So my name is Alex Wise and uh, uh, with Wesley Taylor, I, you know, he's my writing partner and uh, this is our first feature that we've made together. Um, we're both actors uh, also, and uh, it's been really cool to uh, create this whole new part of our of our lives and and become a part of this genre and a part of this world. So that's a start. And I'm from Cleveland. There you go. Yeah. Alex is from the Midwest. I'm from the South, uh, Florida. Uh, I ended up in living in New York City uh, around the same time Alex did, like 2008. And we were sort of running in the same circles uh, of the, the sort of Broadway scene that we were working in. And we knew of each other, but we really, uh, weren't totally friends at that point. We weren't hanging out. Um, but we were working in the theater and writing on our own separately. Um, and then we found ourselves both living in LA in 2015, 2016. And, uh, we started writing together and, uh, we, we developed this digital series called Indoor Boys um, over the span of a few years, and that uh, really shaped our voice together as collaborators. And then we uh, really, uh, with the pandemic, were able to start venturing into fuller, longer format uh, feature length uh, scripts for, for theater and for film. Yeah, and this is our, our next step together, making Summoning Sylvia. And we're really happy to be here talking to you, Allison. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so this is sort of a pandemic horror movie, or at least it was born during the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. yes. I think that really informed us because we wanted to make something that was producible. So we thought we'll make something that happens in one house. I mean, that's, I think that's how uh, that, that dictated a bit of our form and content. I think just the there confines. Was a, there was a movie called host. Is yeah. it host or the host? Host. Uh, yeah. With the with the with the girls and their Zoom uh, hang and the and that was so inspiring for both of us in terms mm -hmm. of how successful and effective it was uh, considering 
you know, one location, very minimal tech uh, and, and special effects and all that and how it was so effective and, and thrilling um, and how we could sort of achieve something similar. Oh, that's awesome. Host is so great. So first things first, what are each of your favorite scary movies? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Um, you know, one thing I think that's that's fun is um, I've always liked scary movies, but also had a um, a very nervous relationship with them through my life. <laughs> and I think it's really only in the past um, four or five years that I've really fallen in love with them and and realized how much um, how much they were full of these great opportunities for telling stories in a new way. Um, part of what excited Wes and me was was the way that we could take our our very queer, silly characters and what happens if we plop them into this genre and and what happens then. So um, I know that didn't answer your question at all, but I guess the point is that um, we started during the pandemic, we started both Wes and I started really watching so many, so many horror movies and we're um, binging them basically two, yeah. three movies a day. Um, and that's kind of what this came out of that era. And I mean, you know, of course I love Ari Aster's new movies. I think they're so exciting. And I love, I love what Bong Joon-ho did with the host and so many things. I mean, Wes, do you have favorites you want to mention? Yeah, I mean, I grew up uh, with a steady diet of, the slasher films of the nineties. So I was there, you know, over and over and over again in the movie theaters for scream and for, I mean, I know what you did last summer and I still know what you did last summer. I were posters over my bed. Uh, <laughs> in fact, one of the iconic lines, which is, as you know, what are you waiting for? Huh? I'm right. Oh, yeah, that was get me. We wrote into summoning Sylvia uh, for, for the character of Kevin. And then it ended up on the cutting room floor, but um, <laughs> very uh, formative slasher films of the 90s, but also, you know, uh, an early 90s, 1990 uh, film that that really changed me was Misery with Kathy Bates because it was really specific character that was terrifying. You know, her super fan, her obsessed stalker fan um, was like uh, sort of an introduction into not only the horror elements, but the character that, that derives the given circumstances of the of the thrills um and then um i think for us with this movie something that was a, a big template for us was get out because get out is very funny um and it's also thrilling and scary and it's also social commentary it's got something big to say about <clears throat> a lot of things and what's the gay get out what's the that version of that so so that was a big jumping off point for us was what's our version of that those are both really great movies to be inspiring you guys when you were writing that's awesome um i always ask people when they come on um i don't know about the both of you but i know that whenever i tell someone who doesn't know me that i love horror movies they're like oh but you seem so normal <laughs> um so why do you think that people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre? Well, I think it's a really great way to get your blood pumping. And I think it, um, I, I, I just, I, mean, I find them 
endlessly exciting. And I think it's really cool that there are obviously these conventions of horror movies and we've seen lowbrow horror movies, but it's so exciting when someone takes those kinds of tropes and elevates them and um, finds new ways to creative ways to tell stories within those confines. Um, and uh, I don't know. I love a roller coaster. I think I think that's what a horror movie can be. It can be a roller coaster and it can be this sort of uh, template to do something new. What do you think, Wes? I feel like the tension before a scare is the same tension before a, a, a joke that lands. It's it's uh, it's all about that tension and the release. And then comedy is all about surprise. And so is horror. Effective successful horror is all about surprise and you don't have comedy without surprise so it's they they feel very married um and so i think your brain processes that it's sort of the same thing um and that's why i feel so connected to it because i feel comedy forward and it also is a genre that lends itself obviously to 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 queer to, to queer content and queer characters and situations. Um, yeah, because, because so much of horror is about outsiders and so much of it is about seeing the world through a different lens. And so I think um, you, you add queerness to the mix and it feels like those genres come together really beautifully. And to Wes's point about the tension of horror versus, or it, um, in conversation with the tension of comedy, that's that's what really inspired Summoning Sylvia because it's it's a scary movie, but it's really a spooky movie with a ton of laughs and a ton of heart, and uh, and 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 we wanted to make something that used the template of a scare to essentially make people laugh and make people feel. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so your film Summoning Sylvia is an LGBTQ horror comedy. Um, do you have any other favorite subgenres in horror? Uh, I mean, we would love a powerful performance by a leading lady. I can say <laughs> we sure do. Yeah, sure do. that's our bread and butter. Um, but you know, love a psychological thriller as much as the next. Lo love, uh, you know, hereditary. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I want I want monologues, great monologues by great women. I want Tony Collette in the sixth sense all day. You know, that's what I want. Awesome. Here, here. Oh, going back to Misery. Did either of you get to see Misery when it was on Broadway back oh, in? Well, I missed 20... it. I think we were both living in L.A. at the time when it was happening. Oh. We missed it. Yeah. What was it like? Tell us. Um, it was really interesting. It was actually my first, my first exposure to misery. I had never seen the movie or read the book, oh. so I didn't know what I was getting into, but I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, Laurie Metcalf is amazing in everything. I mean, she's so, so cool. She's in this new play, um, called gray house. Yeah. Think, right. And yeah. that's supposed to be a horror play. And so I'm really excited for that. That should yeah. be very cool. Yeah. That's definitely on my list of things to see. So, yeah, big time. Um, but speaking about seeing theater, I, got a ticket through my job to go see wicked not for the first time for the i think it was like the 12th time so when i watch summoning sylvia and one of the characters asked the other one like have you ever done a seance before and he's like i've seen wicked 14 times i was like <laughs> yeah. 
was like, oh yeah, because I had been wondering. I was like, is Wicked like horror adjacent? Because it's about a witch. As you know. as you can imagine, Alex and I have seen the movie a few times. Yes, and we uh, we've screened it now with some audiences, and no matter how many times we watch the movie, that part gets consistent laughter every single time. Yeah. You know, it's just I think there's, a big, there's a big crossover too between people who love. Yeah. queer content and people love theater people love horror people love musicals i think all these subgenres are are talking to each other so yeah. it's nice to call out one within the other and i i was in wicked 10 years ago and so it has this very special place in my heart and i love a wicked joke it's a real punching up kind of joke yeah. <laughs> do either of you have a favorite lgbtq horror movie oh that's a good question there aren't too many, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons so, we made Summoning Sylvia is because of that yeah. very fact. So the reality that we weren't seeing ourselves represented in the genre very much. And when we were, it was very thirsty, uh, fleshy shower scenes and slit throats and stuff. So, so um, something that was important to us was not sort of killing off a bunch of gay guys, but sort mm -hmm. of making sure that they thrived. Um, yeah. And when I do think about queer horror films, I'm trying to think of well, I have, of I have great respect for they slash them. Um, Wes, didn't we see that together? Were you there? No, you you oh, saw okay. it. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but um, I I, I really um love the um, I loved those different characters and how they were from different walks of queer life. That was pretty cool to see. Um. And I don't know, you know, some, oh, go ahead, Wes. I was just going to say, probably my favorite queer horror film is Jennifer's Body, <laughs> which is also camp. Yeah. And I think that the subgenre of camp is so, but it's so connected to the genre of horror and it's like, it's so interchangeable. Yeah, definitely. It's present there. <laughs> Uh, so my last question before we get into talking about summoning Sylvia a little bit more is an article came out in 2020 that said that horror movie fans were handling lockdown better than non-horror movie fans. Why do you think that was the case? Oh, that's fun. Well, uh, well, I would say that um, I'm an anxious person. Uh, uh, you know, I take medication for my anxiety and I feel like anxiety, anxious people were validated during the beginning of the pandemic when everyone was uncertain of their job security and their futures and how long this is going to last. And everyone was anxious in the whole world. And so anxious people, I felt their, their anxiety wasn't exacerbated. It was sort of validated and like, Oh, thank God. Now all of you know how we feel every single day. So in a way, um, you know, like being trapped in isolation in your home and you're scared of what's out there and this lurking disease and, you know, that sort of fuels the the horror fans fuel, right? Really interesting. And, you know, not to be insensitive to people who really went through it during lockdown, because people had a wide array of experiences. But I think for Wes and me, while we were in lockdown, we wrote Summoning Sylvia. And then every night we would watch another horror movie on our own. And we were in different places. Wes was in North Carolina and I was in New York. And we did this whole thing on Zoom. Um, but that period of time was yeah. kind of great. 
I'm very nostalgic for it about the simplicity and we would be creative during the day and then get out our anxiety with some jump scares at night. And it was just so, it was so special and so scary. But every night I was dealing with people on TV who were scared. And and like Wes said, it kind of validated us in our own fears too. Yeah. Have either of you watched any um, COVID related horror movies that have come out since um, the pandemic mostly have ended? I'm trying to think of any uh, COVID related horror movies. I can't think of any. One just came out a couple of months ago on Peacock called Sick. Oh, I didn't see that. Um, it was written by Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream, and I know you did last summer. Okay. Oh, so, wow. okay, we got to see that. Yeah, and then there's also one that's called The Harbinger. There are two mm-hmm. movies called The Harbinger. Only one is COVID-related, and I think that one's really good, too. Okay. So, yeah. Checking out. No, I, I mean, uh, I do I do have a little bit of a distaste, though, for seeing COVID in our entertainment. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's you know, valid. but that's that's just my personal thing. I, I don't know, I... I, I like watching media that makes me think about other things than the news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the host, That's fair. I mean, host did it, right? To go back to hosts. I mean, they're all on Zoom. Uh-huh. And also, I mean, even though it's not, um, it wasn't born out of COVID, this came out earlier. Speaking of host, the host is also about a virus that gets out of control and people yeah. losing their minds and, you know, lots of hosts here. I do <laughs> remember at the beginning of the pandemic, like having a craving to watch movies like Outbreak. Yeah, and, me too. <laughs> uh, Contagion. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. those, those movies, 12 Monk, or, no, Outbreak, about the monkeys, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's so funny how, like, when you're dealing with that, you want to watch it represented. Yeah. You know? Definitely. More or less. I've spoken, <laughs> I've spoken to people who couldn't watch anything pandemic related or sickness related during the pandemic and people who could only watch it during the right. pandemic. So. Oh yeah. yeah, no, I remember the first month was like a, before the horror phase, it was a steady diet of like deep impact, Armageddon, outbreak, <laughs> but you know, like the world is ending. What do we do as a society? How do we survive or not survive? So like I mentioned before, you are the co-writers and directors of the new LGBTQ horror comedy, Summoning Sylvia, which just dropped to streaming services on April 7th. We are recording this on April 9th. Um, I watched it the other night and I really enjoyed it, like I told you before. Um, I didn't see the twist coming at the end at all, like what was actually going on. So that was really great. Um, You had your premiere in New York the other night, which is so exciting. Um, So how did you come up with the idea to write a horror comedy and... Um, what was that process like? I think it happened very organically. I think we followed the breadcrumbs like this genre was calling out to us. And so we just kind of answered the call. At least that's the way it felt for me. Like uh, during lockdown, I was there were all these horror movies. I was like, I, I got to watch that. I don't know why, but I have to watch this horror movie and we have to make something that happens in a house. And, and I, I, we have to write about this thing. And, and um, a lot of the conflict of the film comes from misunderstandings and from building tension between different groups of people. And uh, so it was just following the breadcrumbs and it turned into this horror comedy. That's the, at least that's my experience of it. Um, do you have something else? Wes? I mean, just from a logistical standpoint, we wrote three full length scripts during the pandemic mm-hmm. and this was the last one. Um, 
So we wrote a first one, uh, our first full length script got us uh, working with some new representation. The second script got us working with a new production company that was sort of trying to raise financing by attaching talent. And there was just a lot of administration that we started getting frustrated by in terms of the two initial projects um, progressing forward. And so the third script was this script. And we, again, like Alex was saying, we were watching a lot of horror and um, uh, talking about our responsibility as queer creators and and what we want to do moving forward. And also how can we like keep creating without waiting on these gatekeepers and this money to come through and that like, how can we sort of smaller scale uh, since we had done this uh, low budget digital series for three years and had a lot of success with that and a lot of good feedback and reception, we were like, what if we just like go back into that world a little bit while we're waiting for these bigger things to happen. And so we started developing this with sort of the intention that it was going to be indoor boys type budget casting one location type, you know, uh, nitty gritty, dirty, f- five person crew kind of thing. But then it ended up getting more and more ambitious and, um, you know, it ended up turning into a, a feature film. But yeah, that's how it was sort of, sort of born. What was the casting process like? Did you just call your friends or did you involve a casting agent? Well, we actually did a, a reading um, with, with the cast of our friends, like very talented friends of ours, um, which we're very lucky. Alex and I are, you know, in the Broadway community pretty prevalently. So we have a, a just in our phone, our contacts, just so just we're, it's littered with uh, it's embarrassment of riches, what we're, what our friends. And so we ask our friends favors to, to read our script aloud so we can keep working on it. And, and from that first reading, two of them, VN Cox and, Frankie Grande, who had also been an indoor voice with us, um, we asked them to, and we were sort of writing the role around them. Uh, um, I was just going to say, um, and then uh, from there, we we did hire a casting director. And so it was a real combination of us knowing a few people, but then also involving um, Steven Tyler O'Connor, who's such an excellent excellent casting director and he helped us find a lot of new people so it was a real mix of um of people we'd worked with and people who were the new friends and collaborators and we had no that way yeah and for the most part the people that we auditioned and then cast we sort of knew all of them like you know to varying degrees but we needed to we saw many, many, many tapes, which was also a wild experience for Alex and I's actor directors. Um, our sort of first experience at that because, you know, everything up until this point, we have just offered, uh, we've, we've made offers to, to, to people that we're friends with or people that we're not friends with, but we have connections to. Whereas this, this was like a release that went out to agencies and like it, we did it in an official capacity which was our first time with that experience. That's cool. Was there ever any idea that maybe one or the both of you would be in it? Well, it's funny. We um, actually uh, did film something of the two of us that ended up on the cutting room floor. And I I think it's okay to tell because it's a funny little. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, Wes and I filmed uh, (laughs) at one point 
What's that, Wes? Just a cameo. Yeah, it was a quick cameo. We we were pretty clear that we wanted to make sure we were stepping out of this world for the most part so we could be the best directors that we could be. Um, but we filmed this little thing where we where, where the character of Larry pulls up a video on his phone um, searching for... Uh, He's trying to figure out how to talk like a bro and uh, and communicate better with his brother-in-law. So he pulled up this video that was called Bro Speak. <laughs> and uh, and it turned out to be, and it was a video of Wes and me on a couch. And it turned out to be uh, a porn. Um, and he quickly <laughs> scrolled away and he's like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And to be clear, Wes and I did not film a porn, but just like that beginning bad acting scene before it goes into what the beginning uh, dialogue of a porn scene where you think they're just bros hanging out and uh, what it evolves into. And, yeah. uh, and, and it was really cute, but it, it it kind of broke the um, the tension of the scene a little too much. And we thought, you know what? Our egos aren't so big that we need our faces in this movie. It is perfectly fine to leave this one behind. Fine with us. Yeah. Oh, um, but, I, but, but I gotta say too, um, when you see a fist banging on the door, <laughs> that's Wes's fist. And then here, the low. Definitely have some of those boots walking in to kill. Yep. Wes is some boots. He's he's boots. <laughs> um, and I am uh, the voice of Frank on the phone. And is that all I, do? I think that's what I have. I think so. And then that. also, like, Wes is a gasp at one point, and I am a grunt. <laughs> 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 it's true. Oh, that's so funny. Maybe. I wish that little scene of you guys doing the the YouTube video would have made it in. Maybe maybe you'll put it on like the Director's the extras, the yeah. extras on the DVD or something. That's so funny. Oh, it I was it. yeah, it was silly. It it didn't fully connect in, and I think we realized we we're trying to shoehorn our own freaking faces into this movie. So we decided, you know what, let's let this go in favor of the the greater product. Yeah. Um. What was the filming process like? Was it like over a week or a weekend or? We oh, shot okay. the entire thing in 19 days. Oh, wow. Um, there was, yeah, with days off, it was like about three weeks, three weeks and some change. Yeah. Wow. Two days off total or three? I guess maybe three days off. Three days off. Yeah, um, but it was like a, like a, it was like a heat wave. It was like the hottest summer in June. We shot in Newark, New Jersey in this house that was like 150 years old, uh, allegedly actually haunted. Oh. Um and uh by a was, botanist it was haunted by a botanist who died i know <laughs> oh that's, so that's so cool sweating our asses off in a in a three-story house we had to obviously uh you know black flag you know, black black out the windows to shoot day for night almost every day and mm -hmm. uh so that we didn't kill everyone doing night shoots for three weeks. And but I don't know. I mean, I look back on that time and I think maybe we should have done night shoots because it was a million degrees. I honestly think it we we would have been better off doing night shoots. But it really <laughs> does night shoots for the span of three weeks would would take a toll on people. I oh, mean, yeah. not that we weren't dead by the end of our three weeks, but <laughs> you know. Yeah, sure. it was it you know it was a tough shoot. Um, it was tough because also everybody was stepping out of lockdown and essentially onto our set. Yes. So everybody was just working very hard on how do we exist in this new normal together? 
but yeah. but I got to say, everybody did such a good job and we had such an amazing crew and cast and everybody cared about the product and, and brought their their heart and souls to it. So I think uh, despite the challenges of filming when we did, which was the summer of 2021, and in those um, sweltering conditions, we're, we're pretty proud of how everybody really pulled themselves up and delivered something that um, created a product that we're, we're really proud of. Low budget, low budget indie filmmaking. You have to put a lot of trust yeah. in what you're doing because you're not getting pampered in the same way that you would on any other set. And you're not getting, I don't know, the, the perks of the, the trailers and the gourmet food being brought to you whatever, you know, like this was roll up your sleeves and trust. And I think something that's been really rewarding for us in the last week of all these screenings and panels and talkbacks with the cast is how, you know, how much they love the movie. You know, it's very satisfying because um, we really were in the trenches together, just miserably hot and <laughs> yeah, sleep deprived and working really long hours, really long days. So, oh, and like the house flooded with raw sewage and oh, destroyed boy. a lot of our set. <gasps> and I mean, it was it was hard. It was they were hard conditions. And I can't stress enough just how fantastic everybody was in getting through these tough conditions it's almost like the house was haunted and didn't want us there <laughs> oh, you you can't you can't tell from the film that it was a hard shoot because it looks great and everyone is great well, i think it, what's good so. is everybody could take that so like our cast especially could take that stress and those and that um exhaustion and it only fed into the scenes and created more um more of the, more the tension that came through and more of those high stakes and and so we did our best to use those tough conditions to um only amp up our scenes yeah oh that's amazing i know you talked about how host inspired you while you were writing Summoning Sylvia, but were there any other movies that also inspired you? But also Get Out. I mean, like what yeah. I said about Get Out, I, I stand by that it was like, what is our social commentary, funny, suspenseful thriller going to feel like? What is our version of this? Um, so for me, Get Out was a huge inspo. Nice. But, um, but also there was a lot of like, um, little evil happy death day hide and seek you know a lot of comedy horrors that we were following uh um and and watching a lot of um, yeah and, and you, know really like, bed, you know i i was going to add to that too that um the, though these weren't co okay so definitely comedy horror movies we tried to find as many as we could but also i got really into the hulu all those hulu movies that are part of that oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you know Allison. Halloween. Um, yeah, yeah. The ones that like they have all these movies and they're all consistently 90 minutes long. Right. And they all feel cut from the same kind of mid-budget cloth. Yeah. And uh I really liked those. I liked that they were all these little compact movies. And I tried to watch as many of them as I could. There was something about this compact little movie package that I loved. Mm -hmm. Nice. Were there any horror directors that inspired you while you were directing Summoning Sylvia? Well, while we were directing the movie, there was no time for anything. No, <laughs> no consuming of any content whatsoever. 
I think we got about three hours of sleep a night. So, uh, so definitely not while, while directing, but, um, we try to, um, we also really, uh, looked at, okay, what are, what are filming techniques that are used? What, what do we do with a camera that helps us create this suspense and tension? And, and we were looking at different films and just taking notes on, oh, they do this. And then, essentially what we were doing with this movie was taking a comedy and then using that camera technique. So we have a, a horror feel, a horror look, the colors of horror, the lighting of horror, the music of horror, but the script and the performances of a comedy. So those things were happening in conversation with each other. And that was a a lot of our process through this. I don't know that there was one like, Oh, we were worshiping Wes Craven stuff before, you know, but we were stealing things from all of them, you know, Hitchcock and uh, Jordan Peele and, you know, everyone that we love and respect is stealing little things here and there. We only wish we could go back and be given more time so we could create more cinematic (laughs) beats to, to help us really sell this, you know, we're so proud of the movie, but you know, it's, it's a low budget movie and we're also excited for where we can go as filmmakers now and this was a really great step forward for us and now uh you know I, I watch the movie and I love it and I think okay I wish I could do this I wish I could do this but part of what I'm speaking from is also the process of needing to let it go out into the world and these things take so long to see the light of day that you know let's be honest Alex and I wrote the script almost three years ago so as we evolve as artists and our voices of, I mean, hopefully we are getting better each year and getting funnier and getting sharper. And so naturally we're going to watch a film that we wrote three years ago and be like, I want to rewrite this, I want to rewrite this, I want to rewrite this. But it's been challenging, but also a good challenge to like also soak up everyone laughing at what does work from three years ago, you know, and like being in a full house of, of people laughing at all these jokes that of course we don't laugh at anymore we've seen it a million times thousands it's thousands yeah (laughs) um well so are there any plans to write a follow-up horror movie or horror comedy well we have we have two projects waiting in the wings in terms of indie film and one of them is a thriller but it's not a horror it's like a suspenseful uh sort of maybe more of like a black mirror type Mm -hmm tone with a fast-witted um, quick-paced comedy so it's a comedy thriller uh but definitely not uh horror yeah then- but i think that that um what west and i do well is very tense comedy yeah. i think that's our our genre we do very tense comedies so i wouldn't be surprised oh, if we found sorry, i just a- want to bring up one other movie yeah. this was not horror but in terms of a big inspiration for us during this time a baby Oh, oh, Shiva Baby's awesome. Which was all about that tense, anxious, funny, dark tone. Yeah. Which was really inspiring for us. Um, yeah, just, that's a great yeah. one. I, and and yeah, um, so speaking of tense comedies, you know, I think I, I and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Wes and I found ourselves creating another horror movie uh, soon. Um, in terms of a sequel, I don't know that uh, this story asks for a sequel. 
I don't know. I mean, at least that's not something we imagine just yet. It feels like it's this one little encapsulating thing. It's not something where the killer's still out there, really. You know, it's it's not that kind of movie, but we're open to inspiration striking, and we would be lucky to work with so many of the people we worked with again. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, how much was there any improvising that went on during filming? Not, not really. I no. mean, we, we scripted that pretty tightly and there were only a couple of little moments, right, Wes? Right. And something that um, we want to, to be better at in the future is letting the camera keep rolling. And I think that we were so tight for time and we were so, our budget was so low and we were so working so fast that um, we did pretty much stick to script completely. But not to say that we didn't throw an alt out here and there. I mean, like, I don't remember the original line, Alex, but I remember giving an alt for um, Frankie saying the gall because oh, that was oh. the original line. Oh, right, right, right. That there was there were so alts. there was there was a few of those where what ended up in the movie was an alt that we threw at them on the day. Um, oh, uh, fuck your father! That joke that was an alt. <laughs> that wasn't the original, and that's one of our best jokes. Um, yeah. So. So, Which you just gave away on a podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> It'll still land. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, um, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think uh, the next time we make a movie, which I really hope is soon, um, we uh, we would just we want more time so we could say now do a take and say whatever the hell you want. And let's see what happens. Let's see where you're inspired. I will say um, not to drop this, but I'm on set right now doing something where they keep the camera rolling after every take. And it is incredible. I mean, it's also just a, a, an amazing cast, but like just to see what happens after the scripted after the scripted dialogue is over, sometimes is such gold um, that you just gotta see what it can be. And you never know how you're gonna cut it. You think you do in your head, but then when you have all the footage at your fingertips, you get creative ideas and you start, I mean, the edit really is a rewrite of your original idea. Absolutely. And then it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility in the filming process to just give ourselves as many options as we possibly can, instead of only being married to the vision we have of how we're going to direct this, which is useful, but you just want to make sure that you have options because you never know what is going to reveal itself in the edit. Yeah, we've learned a lot to say the least. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, it sounds like it. So what do you think that everyone should know before they um, sit down and watch Summoning Sylvia? Well, it's a wickedly funny time. It's just funny and it's heartwarming and it's spooky. But if if you uh, don't have a big tolerance for uh, for horror, well, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably really love horror movies. But, but if your girlfriend or boyfriend, you know, if it's the person who you live with, you know, and you want to watch it with them and they hate being squeamish and, and you know, they don't like gore and all that, like, this is the movie for them and it's very funny and it's still spooky. So yeah. um, it's a great time and it's under 80 minutes. So it's quick and uh, a rock is good time. And I also think that even though this is a story about mostly queer people, this is a movie that is for everyone. You know, you can, you can really find a lot to enjoy, even if you're not gay, this is not going to, um, make you feel like an outsider. I think this is a movie that invites you in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can attest to that because I am a straight person. So, and I love that you had a token straight person. 
<laughs> flipping that trope on its on its head. Yeah, um, thanks. So thank you for answering those questions. I have a couple more rapid fire questions. So you sure. don't have to think too hard. Um, are there any horror movies that you think are underseen gems? Underseen gems. We had such a good um, month of horror a few months ago with Barbarian and Smile. And there was like a, some great titles that came out recently. Um, what's it Wait, what about, what about uh, Ma- Mommy? Uh, the uh, Oh. Um, good Night Mommy. Good Night Mommy. Mm. So yeah. good. It's like a Dutch movie. Is it Dutch or something? I think it's Austrian. Oh, Austrian. You're right. You're right. Yes. That's not a lot of people have seen that movie, but I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah, it, it is really great. Are there any horror movies that you won't watch or that you won't watch ever again? Okay, Poltergeist for me. <gasps> I know that's not that scary in terms of movies now, but I saw it when I was four. Okay. <laughs> and that really fucked me up. <laughs> yeah, I feel like in high school, I watched one of the Saw movies and I was so, the, the graphic, gory dismemberment stuff just felt like a little... I don't want to judge it, but it felt a little gratuitous to me, pornographic almost. And so I um, don't love gore and graphic violence just for the sake of it. It needs to really be earned. Um, and so I I think the Saw franchise, like that kind of franchise is, is tough for me. Yeah, I said the same thing about Saw after I saw it in theaters. It was, it yeah. was a lot. So yeah. uh, what horror movie are you most looking forward to seeing in 2023? Ooh. oh my gosh wait is there a new quiet place movie coming out uh the yeah, first so. day one i think oh, i don't know if it's this year or next year but well i want to see that because i oh i think ari Aster has a new movie too i don't know if it's gonna be it, it's coming out this month i mean he didn't say hereditary was horror so this one is probably gonna be a little horrific i don't know yeah probably knowing yeah. ari Aster as <laughs> too. Um, I'm excited for that because I think he's such an exciting filmmaker. Yeah. yeah. What is this? Um, I see Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yes, oh, that came out. That was that came out last month, I believe. It it it's was. Got a four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wait, yeah, can we, can we right. back to you though and ask you if there are movies that we should be excited for? I I think we're uh, we're not as um, well read as you probably are. This. <gasps> Um, I'm really excited for Renfield, which comes out on Friday, which is um, the story of uh, Dracula's, you know, henchman Hen- uh, Renfield in modern day and Nick Cage plays Dracula. Yes, Brandon Scott Jones is in that and we love him. Uh, nice. Um, yeah, Bo is afraid. Um, oh, I saw the movie Malum last night, which is just in like the 42nd Street AMC for uh, like late night. It's a okay. remake of the movie The Last Shift by the same director. He remade his own movie. Oh, um, cool. I thought I thought it was good. I thought it was an improvement on the original one and they changed enough. So I thought that was oh, fun. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like? Um, well, I'm always down for like a campy sort of bad slasher movie because I always find the fun and what's funny about them you know yeah a lot of movies that people write off is you know I still have a good time watching like the I know what you did and the screams and all the all the stuff I haven't seen scream six guys oh it was I was really good I liked it a lot yeah I hear it like really good 
Yeah. I think I liked five a little bit better, but really? Okay. Yeah, but the six was fun. <laughs> what six about is like breaking box office records, like making more money since or like the third highest grossing after the first and second one? Sure. If you could remake one horror movie, which one would it be? <sighs> I think I might say misery. That's a good answer. What about, I mean, you know what I've, I want to do is just like, as much as I love Ari Aster and I've, na- I've mentioned him so many times, I really want to redo the end of Hereditary. Oh, how would you redo it? Um, I just, um, I found it um, a bit punishing for the audience and a little bit of a cop out on all of the things that I hope, I mean, whatever it's, I can, who cares? Um I just, I just wish that uh, it had dignified all the things that they were going through instead of, but I felt the ending undercut all the things they were going through. Mm. I don't know. That was my take on it. Um, I think, uh, I think also it would have been, I don't want to tell people the ending, but everyone's seen it. I think it would have been um, far more horrifying to have people survive than to just wipe everybody out. And then it would have given the audience a little bit of a release instead of saying, see, you're all punished. It's all over. Fuck you all. That's kind of what it felt like to me at the end. But you know what? That's just my reading of it. And and feel free to fight me. <laughs> it's no, OK. That's a really interesting take on it that I haven't heard before. So, that's, OK, that's OK. Yeah. <laughs> One horror movie franchise that I really appreciate that I, I think a really great concept is The Purge. Um, yeah. And I that first Purge movie really affected me thought it was really powerful just the idea that how can we solve crime oh we figured it out <laughs> we take one day of the year and everything's legal and what that means and the implications of that um i thought i thought it was a really great premise yeah well my last question is if you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain who would it be oh. <laughs> um that's a tough question. Let's Ooh. say they wouldn't kill you. So who would annoy you the least? Annoy me. <laughs> you know what? I like Chucky. <laughs> I had a my buddy. I had a my buddy. No way. <laughs> yeah, I would choose Chucky because I, I love that he's really clever and quippy. And if, you know, he's anything like this new Chucky series, which I love, um, very queer forward. And, you know, along those lines, I think I would choose Megan because I really like to dance and we could dance together. Oh, that's a great answer. <laughs> and chase after boys menacingly. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you both so much for being here. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find uh, Summoning Sylvia as well as you both online if you have any Twitter presence? Yes, you can now stream Summoning Sylvia on most major platforms where you purchase or buy or rent on-demand content. So that means Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Vudu, Comcast, Spectrum. Uh, just Google where you can watch it and you'll find you'll find your home. And as for our social media, Wes and I are both on Instagram. We, we keep it to Instagram because we've been so traumatized by Twitter. So um, my username is at Alex J. Wise and Wes is... Sir Wes Tay-Tay. Awesome. Well, thank you both again so much and good luck with summoning Sylvia. And I can't wait to see what you both do next. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us. Thank you.
That's it for this week's episode of Who's There. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Alex Wise and Wesley Taylor. And thanks again to Alex and Wesley for coming on. I'll leave links to their socials and where you can stream Summoning Sylvia in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod. We're on Instagram at Who's There Podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at whosetherepc at gmail.com. Until next time, stay scary and never ask who's there.